Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left, welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. For the uh, call to worship and honoring the day, we read from uh, hundreds of thoughts by Gregory E. Lang, Why Kids need dads. Why a son needs a dad? To show him how to shave. To teach him how to talk to girls. To teach him to be a gracious winner as well as a gracious loser. To show him how to be productive with his hands who will expect him to play fair, to teach him to treat women with kindness, to teach him that men and women are equals. Why a daughter needs a dad, who will make sacrifices so that she will not have to sacrifice, who will laugh with her at all the right times to teach her that her value as a person is more than the way she looks who will not punish her for her mistakes, but help her learn from them, who will always have time to give her hugs and kisses, who does not mind when she steps on his shoes while dancing, who will always make sure she has a place to come home to. Happy Father's Day. We call ourselves Unitarian Universalists, which means one God, no hell. And yet we have, and also we have, practices and roots in other uh, faith backgrounds, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Mormonism, atheism, paganism. What holds us all together? Many things. But one of the things that holds this congregation together is our mission, which we say together every Sunday morning. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. How do we take the measure of a man? By inch of waist, or length of leg, or size of shoe, or span of arm? Perhaps by all these things, but more. Within the corners of the mind, the broad dimensions of the soul, and precious heritage of the heart. And so, our task for love and friendship's sake to capture and make plain the quiet strength of him who was and is our friend, and in the gentleness that like a wreath about his brow we take to make it ours. We feel the patient virtues of a life well lived bequeathed to us. 
Now is the time in our service when we breathe together deeply. Where we find the still place within, where we can listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom or just enjoy the stillness. We hold in compassion all the people who are sick, people who are fearful, people who are in harm's way because of war or natural disaster, especially the people of Syria and Iraq. Congo, Central African Republic. So much turmoil and so much danger. So many mothers and fathers trying to protect their children. We hold them in compassion. May we seek clarity about our role, when to act, when to be still, what to say, what not to say. We ask for wisdom as we enter into the silence together. We are now invited to light candles of joy or sorrow, hope, remembrance. Happy Father's Day. We've been studying the Ten Commandments together for four or five months now, and uh, we're up to the, the Fifth Commandment. I thought it would be good to do it today. It's honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land. Everybody's got parents. Some people have parents that they um, grew up with. Some people have parents that they were born with, but they grew up with other people. Some in this room have parents who fit the picture of what they're supposed to do and be. Parents who are by your side as you grow and who give us the benefit of resources and who teach us how to be good human beings, useful and compassionate and funny and smart. Some had parents who were like that. Most have parents who were like that with, you know, a few rough spots. And other people had pretty much nothing but rough spots. Some parents can stay for your whole growing up and some leave and some are taken from you. Some parents do a good job and some do badly and some do real harm. So... Knowing all of that, how do we go about honoring our parents? The Hebrew word that's used in the um, Hebrew scriptures, talking about the commandment, is kabed. How do you honor means, kabed also means like give weight to. You give weight to your parents. How do you do that? You just know, you know that something matters. They matter. Honoring means helping somebody, it means respecting somebody, it means making their life easier, it means 
um, having esteem for them, having affection and concern for them, appreciation, nurturing, and forgiveness. The way I was taught about this commandment, honor your father and mother pretty much meant obey them, do what they say. Live up to who they want you to be. Um, Let them have their way all the time. Make them happy at the expense of your independence and your individuality. So um, a lot of us were set up with this false choice of either keeping this commandment to honor our father and mother or growing into self-differentiated Adults with our own ways of thinking and our own beliefs. In fact, um, some faith traditions expand this definition of parents that you should obey and honor to really anyone who is in a supervisory position over you. That you should honor your boss this way, you should honor the police this way, the legal system this way, you should honor those who are superiors in gifts Clergy, too, by the way. (laughs) But that's from 1648, and this is 2014. So it seems as if under that system, if you're a really good person, and it's amazing how many things we still have kind of hanging on from 1648. Um, If you're a really good person, it means you're a very obedient person. And... Parents did teach their children to be obedient. Many still do, but um, in the 1960s, there was this experiment done, and most of us learned about it in school. It was by a man named Stanley Milgram, and uh, what he did was he had a bunch of psych students who agreed to be part of an experiment, and what you were supposed to do was... um, uh, administer a mild shock to this subject who was learning something. And when he gave a wrong answer, you would shock him. And you could see the dial of the shockometer. And um, that's not the technical term. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and, you know, it started out on two. And um, so you could watch the subject through a one-way glass. And, and, you, and, the, and the experimenter, who was the doctor in a white coat, would say, Uh, That was wrong. Give him a shock. And the student would punch the button and the subject would jump. And then the the doctor would turn it up to four and say, that was wrong. Give him a shock. And the subject would go, ow. Do it again. Ow. And then the doctor would turn it way up. Said, that was wrong. Give him another shock. And pretty soon the subject in there who was playing, you know, The subject was was screaming and begging for mercy. And the student, when the white-coated authority figure said shock him, they would shock him. And this shocked the experimenters, that the students were so obedient that when someone in a white coat said, make this man scream and beg for mercy, they would do it in the 1960s. And so the... the, um, learning from this experiment rippled throughout the world. And most people who learned about that experiment um, got bumper stickers that said, question authority, (laughs) and started raising their children to use their own minds and use their own 
uh, consciences. And even if somebody gives you an order, if you disagree with it, this was all combined with the, you know, the Nuremberg trials had just um, happened uh, a decade before, and they were, um, the people were saying, you know, we were good Germans, we were just following orders. And so the, the whole combination of this obedience uh, uh, more in our in our cultures in the Western culture and and it's in Eastern cultures too was just uh, having horrifying results and we started teaching our children differently. This is a free faith where listening to our inner voice is highly valued. Um, I. I have a secret, um, shameful habit of of loving books and movies about people who escape from cults. Sorry. Um, it's just always amazing to me the obedience that people will have to the most heinous orders until finally there's one that makes the light bulb go off. And even then they feel torn and they go, you know, I left, but I'm still torn because I think maybe I'm going to hell. And many of these cults use hell as um, a way to keep their people in line. And so it's very important when you go to the one God, no hell church, to really say that quite a bit. In our, um, especially once you get outside of the city limits of Austin, it might be good to just uh, stop and say, hey, you know, I go to a church that doesn't believe in hell, by the way. See ya. So, um, moving on, honoring our parents means uh, doing what we can to make their lives better. Um, but isn't what makes their lives the best uh, when we grow into people who are independent and strong and happy in the world, that, it would seem, would make their lives best. And so um, we can honor some of the things that we were taught by our parents, and some of the things we were taught by our parents just don't work for us, and we have to let them go. And it takes us a long time, trial and error, to figure out what those things are. Um, we have our parents inside us, so, you know, we, we are just like them, unfortunately and fortunately. And so we have to honor who they are inside us. I, um, I was listening to one of the spiritual teachers I admire very much. Her name's Byron Katie, and she was talking with this young man in his 20s. And um, she does an exercise called uh, judging. You know, you have to judge she says, come on, we all think, oh, I shouldn't judge, but you're human, and humans judge, so go ahead. So um, this kid was saying, um, I, I wish my parents wouldn't judge me. She says, tell me about that. And he says, well, they, they judge my politics, and their politics are horrible. And um, they judge the way I dress, and you should see the way they dress. This is just so boring, and, and they judge the way I decorate my apartment, and their apartment looks like a hotel room, and, and they judge, and so everything he was saying, and you're, you're already with me, um, 
So, so she says, so you wish your parents wouldn't judge. And he said, yes. And she goes, can we turn that around? He said, I wish my parents would judge. She says, there's another way to turn it around too. I wish I wouldn't judge my parents. <laughs> she says, sweetheart, you're living on earth now. Make yourself at home. <laughs> So, you know, it is wonderful to hold on to the things that work for you, that you were given by your teachers, by your parents, by the authorities, by the people who raised you, by your aunts and uncles. There are things that are valuable and worthwhile that we hold on to, and there are also things that we're ashamed of or things that don't work or things that make us infuriated, or they say, you know, they told us... uh, that gay people were crazy and we're gay and we don't want to believe the gay people were crazy. And so we have to honor, you know, um, I honor you and you're mistaken about that. And I honor the part of me that's you. Uh, I take your negative judgmental nature and I see it in myself and I want to use it um, in a positive way. And so I'm going to go get a job as a systems analyst so I can uh, go into a place and see everything that's wrong and every little single thing that they do wrong and just tell them about it to to help them. (laughs) And I'm going to, and I'm going to take, you know, my dad's uh, uh, extreme risk taking behavior and he was a compulsive gambler and maybe I'll, I'll take risks too. And maybe I'll just, uh, I'll take risks by starting a business or I'll take risks by uh, joining the Peace Corps when I'm 45 or I'll take risks in a a different way. I'll have the same format, different content because I have that inside me and I want to channel it and and use it for good. So you you have to raise your head up and you have to find a way to claim and honor those parts of your people who raised you that are in you, even if it's not their best qualities and even if you wish it weren't there. Um, sometimes we talk about the concept of the shadow and things we wish we, that weren't there in us and, and what we know about the shadow or the things we wish weren't there in us is that we have to name them and we have to see them and we have to keep an eye on them because if you try to ignore them, it's like ignoring the wasp that's in the room and there's a wasp, if it gets quiet and you've ignored it, you know, you might sit down on it by accident and, um, and get stung and it's the same way with those qualities that you don't want to have in you. <laughs> and um, I was talking to a young friend the other day and he said, you know, I'm just so ashamed of, I'm ashamed of, my laziness. I just, I'm not working all the time. I I take time out. I play video games and I just hate myself for it. And, um, and I'm trying to learn to love myself and accept myself. And I said, so you don't, you're not going to feel the shame anymore. And he goes, no, I'm even going to accept the shame. I was like, whoa, that's radical. I, uh, I learned something today. 
And the other thing we have to do is forgive them. You know, there are some things that are more forgivable than others, but we can start with a low-hanging fruit, as they say, and just forgive the kind of -of run-of-the-mill mistakes that parents make. And here's the other thing. Those of us who are parents, we have to forgive ourselves, too, because we, you know, we're messing up our children. And um, even though we really try hard not to, and we really try hard to do the exact same thing uh, that we want to do, and yet sometimes we just do these, these things that, that we feel guilty for for the rest of our lives. And um, so I talked to my kids, and I remember that time when you were, um, you were screaming. My oldest son had this scream, scream that could, it could clear a restaurant when he was nine months old, just and um, and it was when he was happy, you know, it was happy squealing. <laughs> yeah, and um, and when he was about one and a half, he was uh, sitting up above me on this chair, and I was, you know, holding him, and he was squealing, and he was smacking me because that was fun, you know. We he just smacked my arm, <laughs> and I was like, "Honey, we don't scream and we don't hit." So he's like, "Whack again." <laughs> And after about the third time, I just smacked his leg really hard. I said, I screamed, we do not scream, and we do not hit. (laughs) He totally doesn't remember that at all. (laughs) So, uh... Forgiving a person means accepting who they are. And so it seems, according to my teacher, Byron Katie, that when you accept who somebody is, you trust them to be who they are. I have trouble with this idea of trust. You know, I'm going to trust you. Because you trust somebody, um, you say, I'm going to treat you with trust. Well, yeah, but what does that mean? And um, do I trust you to be the person that I think you should be? That's dumb, I have to say. I don't trust you to be yourself. Yeah, every time. I'll trust you to be yourself. And so when there's someone in your life who every time they open their mouth, they say something terrible, you just have to trust that they're going to keep doing that. You know? And I have somebody in my life like that, and I call, you know, I call them because, you know, they're in my family, and I need to call them and say, you know, happy this, happy that, uh, happy Easter, whatever. And they open their mouth, and they say something terrible. And in fact, um, Byron Katie says, you should just tell yourself you're looking forward to the next time they do it. So before I call this person, I say, Kai, I'm going to call this person, and I'm just looking forward to the next terrible thing they say, and I'll just tell you what it was. So I call, and sure enough, they say something terrible, and she's like, what was it? And I tell her, and she says, oh, that was terrible. I know. I know, but, you know, they're reliable anyway. There has to be forgiveness. (laughs) This is what one person wrote as a prayer of forgiveness to his children. I seek your forgiveness for all the times I talked when I should have listened. Got angry when I should have been patient, acted when I should have waited, feared when I should have been delighted, scolded when I should have encouraged, criticized when I should have complimented and said no when I should have said yes. 
and said yes when I should have said no. I often tried too hard and wanted and demanded so much and mistakenly sometimes tried to mold you into my image of what I wanted you to be rather than discovering and nourishing you as you emerged and grew. We can forgive ourselves over and over again, and we can try to begin the process of forgiving other people. And we can become people who are living a sacred story, people with dignity and compassion, people with our own intelligence, our own beliefs, our own thoughts. And this is a way of honoring our parents. And we can wish the same thing for our children to become independent and not grow up in our image. I remember when my oldest child told me that he thought he knew what he wanted to be when he grew up. His dad is a minister, I'm a minister. Everybody in our family is either a doctor, a minister, or a teacher, everybody, or a lawyer. But that's the rebellious uh, stance. He said, I think I'm going to be an accountant. And his father and I were like, oh! Stab me in the heart, why don't you? <laughs> Nothing wrong with accountants. They just, we don't have any. Anyway, he straightened up, became a doctor. <laughs> Bless his heart. And you grow into the person that you're meant to be. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Bright morning stars are rising. Bright morning stars are rising. Bright morning stars are rising. Day is a breaking in my soul. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.